Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast brought to you by Blue Water Climate Control. Getting cranked back up with a couple of podcasts a week as college football has returned and high school football is in full gear. Recruiting starting to crank back up. Lots of stuff going on. Plenty to talk about. And we'll jump into it here. Again, thanks to our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control for uh, their continued support of the site. For more information on them, go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com and check them out. Or you can follow them on Twitter at Blue. H2O underscore climate. I'm Brent Hubs with Rob Lewis and Austin Price. And let's start a little bit with recruiting here, guys. Um, obviously, Tennessee gets a commitment on Monday from Jamarian Gooch. Um, both of you, what, what's your thoughts on him? I know, Rob, that you had a chance to spend some time with him out there on, on Monday and talk to him. And Austin, you've known about him for a while and talked to him uh, multiple times. Both of you talked to the coach and other people around him. What do y'all, what do y'all think of uh, Jamarian Gooch? Right. I was, I mean, just first thing that jumps out at me, Hubbard, is that you can't coach six, seven, three hundred fifty, and you know you see him. I watched some of his huddle film today, and to be that big, I mean, he does have light feet, but also when you see him, you know, in his upper body, and you know, he's he doesn't look like an SEC tackle yet, despite being a massive human being. And my the point I'm getting to, I think it's a sign of how healthy Tennessee is a program right now is that you can take a kid like that who has just oozes potential, and then you can sit him over there and just, just let him soak for a little while because you don't, you don't need him next year. You may not need him in two years. And after meeting with him, I mean, that, that was my biggest takeaway because he's, you know, he's going to be one of the biggest kids on the team the day he arrives. But he's not ready to play, and he doesn't have to be. And, and that was after visiting with him, you know, really bright young man, good personality. That was, I mean, that, that was kind of my biggest takeaway is, man, you know, Jeremy's got this thing looking – because I don't know, if, I don't know if you could have taken a kid like that three years ago, even if you did see the potential. You, you, could, you, you couldn't have. You couldn't have. They've totally changed the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. We've talked about that numerous times. And the thing about this kid is, is like you know, you're, you're taking him from a team that you're playing this year and is in, is in the in this league in Auburn. So the perception of it it looks good, but two. I think that the more you talk to people around Jay, and it's just it's Jay Marion. Uh, the more you feel like you know, if it ever truly clicks for this kid, the potential is limitless. I mean, like the kid just—I mean, like he—he he flashes so much. He's got to work on his bend. His bend is way better than it was a year ago. He's got to you know get himself in better shape up top. There's no doubt. I mean, like now I'll be the first to say. I, I, Lord knows I've got a gut on me and I'm overweight, but there are shirts that I put on out of my closet that look better than others. And so <laughs> the Tennessee shirt he was wearing today wasn't the most flattering, but then I saw him walking around without his pads on in another shirt. And I'm like, he don't, he didn't look like the same guy that I, you know, had just filmed with that Tennessee shirt on. So, you know, I think it was more the shirt than it was the kid. Um, but, you know, I do think that in a lot of ways, Tennessee feels like, Hey, they, they're getting a kid that, you know, they don't have to throw in right away, as Rob said, and can bring along. And if things click, watch out. Also, let me ask you this. Where do you think he is in terms of understanding the game? How would you compare him to a guy like Chris Ocperogane? And, again, I mean, part of, you know, Chris has not been in a situation where he's had to play yet at Tennessee. Plus, he's been set back by injuries. But in terms of where they came out at high school, 
pretty similar in terms of kind of understanding of the game and their and the rawness there, or do you think there's a big difference between the two? I think that that Jay's in a much better spot than Chris was. I agree. I, I'm going to say, I'm, and I, I say this because I remember the first time I met Chris. Um, it was at an NPA event that Buck had, and I think it was just in between his sophomore and junior year. So he had not even lived in the country long. I mean, he, and just a great personality, a really fun kid to talk with. And, you know, he was telling me things like, you know, he still didn't, you know, he didn't really understand, you know, the downs, the yards to go. Do we, you know, we get to keep the ball. You know, when, when do you punt? When do you kick a field goal? I mean, just stuff that if you grow up in America playing it since Little League, you don't even think about it. I mean, Chris was a blank slate. Yes. Very much so. And, and I think, so I think, for Jay, it's just different. Like, you know, I think he understands the game a little bit more. Again, I think that the buy-in is probably a little harder to come by for Jay than it was Chris. Chris came from a, a part of the world where who knows what he saw before he got here. And I think that, you know, when he got here, it was just football and he, football and football. And, it, you know, he was, he was brand new to it and he was raw to it and, and in, in naive in a lot of ways on how to play and, you know, but whatever they told him, he did because that's what, you know, what you do, you know, you, he's very coachable. Um, so I, I think with, with Jay, he, he's got a lot more potential than Chris. I do think that he's probably a little further along at this point than Chris, but I do think that from a, uh, you know, I think the talent level is, is, you know, I think Chris was a, probably a little bit harder worker at this point in time. All right, let's talk about O-line recruiting overall because this question's obviously, you know, permeating out there with the numbers and everything else. Austin, my belief is Tennessee is just going to keep going <laughs> on offensive line recruiting, you know, and, and that's with William Parker out there and that's with Mims out there and that's with Rod Orr out there. Don't you think they're just going to keep going? Yes, I do. I think Tennessee would take Orr, Parker, and Mims. Now, Ooh. you're going to say, how do, how do the numbers work out? Say it, Abe. Well, numbers always work themselves out. You guys are a bunch of smart guys. Just kind of connect dots. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Tennessee's, you know, all about adding big bodies, but they're adding quality bodies. You know, they, they love William Parker's game. They love Rod Orr's game. And they've loved those games, you know, whether they're getting a Marius Mims or they don't get a Marius Mims, you know, they, they like those kids. So Mims to me is more the cherry on top than he has anything uh, right now. So, um, you know, I, I think for, you know, for the offensive line, they're just going to continue and continue to take guys. All right. Let, let me ask this, because not specifically, we're not going to run down everybody on the board or anything like that. I want to ask a little bit of a bigger picture recruiting question here. We saw this on, on a lot on Twitter on uh, Monday night. We saw even Lane Kiffin tweet out the picture of, uh, a guy with a big shoe, basketball shoe for a phone. Uh, everybody in the, and a lot of recruits were talking about midnight and phone calls starting to, to happen. How big of a deal is it to be the first school to talk to a kid when that moment arrives every year, September 1, when you can talk to um, the next year's class? How well, big you, of a deal is that? Well, what you're really doing, you're contacting them via direct message. You cannot call them. Right. Yet. So – this is a, uh, you know, basically they're just going to send out a billion edits, you know, and, you know, that, that's how this will work. You'll see all these edits flood the, flood the Twitter sphere, you know, you know and, and, and you've seen it already, uh, whether it was them posting it last night at midnight 
or whether they were trickling out this morning. The kids, some kids were already asleep, so then they wake up and you know they look in their inbox and they've got 34 different edits from you know anywhere from Idaho to Alabama. So um, you know, so that, it's the official start to recruiting, I guess. In some yeah. ways, it's the official start of the of the real process. And I tell you, it's it's a Isn't long a night. I was going to say it's a long nap for the GAs and the support staff because you know, Nick Saban is sitting in his office at 1230, you know, attaching, attaching gifts and, and edits to, to the some DM he's sitting on Twitter. But how big of a deal is it? I mean, look, because, you know, you got to get – everybody's pushing the creativity button and, you know, you, you got to be, you know, for your priority guys, you got you to gotta have an idea of, of, you know, what you think is going to push their button the right way and that type of thing. Is it a big deal or is it an overblown deal? Does it leave any kind of real lasting impression, I guess is what I'm asking. I, I think it's overblown, but I think that, you know, it, you set the tone. You set the tone with how quick you're to, to, to send them edits, how creative you are. You know, I mean, I think your higher-end guys are going to probably get a little more personalized edit than, you know, guys that, you know, the school likes, but, you know, they're not – head over heels for, um, you know, you will get more just kind of your standard edit. So, you know, I think a lot of it depends on each individual school, but I think kids do keep up and they do pay attention to, uh, you know, who sent who what. All right. AP, my last thing about recruiting, we'll jump on to a couple other, uh, other things out there football-wise and everything. How much does Tennessee market, you know, something about the 22 in-state guys – all staying together, some catchphrase, something about the 22 guy, the, the in-state class of 22 all staying together. Is that going to be a part of this? Is, is there going to be a, a mantra with those guys, or do you think that's it's going to be more personalized in-state? Uh, I think it'll be more personalized. You know, um, yeah, I, I think over time you will see Tennessee um, – you know, kind of pitch it that way. But I think, you know, for tonight or, you know, or last night, sorry, um, you know, I think that you're going to see them be more personalized to the individual kid. But, I mean, I do think once you get into a class and you were to get one or two go your way, then I think you're going to see them, you know, start to pitch, you know, this cluster of kids from in-state. And I was just going to add, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom because every program's dealing with it. But this year, more than ever, the what Tennessee has in state to have the shutdown like we had back in the spring, where you couldn't get twelve or fifteen of those kids here for the spring game, couldn't get you know a dozen of them back over the course of a week for for camp, so they could start to you know get to know each other a little bit better, see exactly you know kind of get a feel for what exactly it would mean to play with these guys. I think that's to Tennessee's disadvantage. And again, every program's dealing with it, but every program is not have an in-state class like Tennessee does this year when it's not the norm. That's a great point because we've seen in years past where, you know, I, I go back all the way back to the, to Chris Walker, Chris Donald, and, and Eric Berry was out of, was out of state, but those guys all, you know, hung out around the Florida game and, and kind of made a pact then to, to go to school together. And uh, we saw some of that stuff with Cade Mays and Greg Emerson and that class when, when they were all assembling that way. They Are you talking, did you just mention Ben Martin? Ben Martin was in that class too, yeah, with 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 Chris Walker and Chris Donald. Ben Martin was a huge recruit. Yeah. You, you, do you want to know my favorite Ben Martin story? Ben Martin, I'll never forget. After the Vols get robbed against North Carolina in the Music City Bowl, 
Well, they ben created a rule for it. Right? They created a rule because they got hosed so bad. Ben, ben, ben has missed that whole season, but he's got a year left. He can come back, you know. And I, we go out on the bars on, on Broadway there, and I walk out the back entrance of one of those bars. I don't remember what it was, Tootsie's or whatever, but there's that little alleyway right there behind Tootsie's and all those bars. And Ben Martin's out back just puffing on, you know, puffing on a heater. And I'm like, this guy, I'm like, he's smoking cigarettes because he's not played all year. It's just classic. Just classic. Ben Martin was a big deal. Wonder what would have, what his career would have looked like had he had not had um, that knee injury. Because, Rob, nobody created preseason buzz as much as Ben Martin did. I mean, just, he year. was one, I've, I've said it before, he was one of about, you know, eight to 10 guys that, I mean, former beat out everybody in the country for it. It wasn't like former misevaluated him or his staff. I mean, everybody wanted these guys. Ben Martin, Demetrius Morley, Chris Donald, Adam Myers-White. You know, you just go on and on. And, and, and none of them were hits. And, and they could have gone anywhere in the country. And Tennessee just ended up getting all of them, you know. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of it was due to injury with various guys, you know, that, that had, had issues going on that it didn't didn't pan out with them for there. All right, let, let's jump into some big, bigger picture kind of college football things uh, as well. By the way, Jeremy Pruitt to meet the media later tonight. We'll have full coverage of that, Tennessee, on the practice field uh, later this afternoon. So we'll have some practice highlights and all those types of things as well. Let me ask you guys this question. Are you surprised at the number of opt-outs we're seeing at this stage of – at this stage of, of – quote, preseason prep. Obviously, it's been a tough week for LSU. Um, you know, they've had a couple of big-name opt-outs. Tennessee has D'Angelo Gibbs. Are you surprised the opt-outs are continuing this late? into? And I know we're a month away from starting in the SEC, but we're not in some other conferences. Are you surprised the opt-outs are continuing right now? No, but, I mean, I, and, of course, LSU's had a couple of more high-profile people, but, I mean, you know, as you put in the Monday night chat, you know, if Tennessee's got, you know, if they end up with three out of 85, I mean, that's such a small number. I mean, you're inevitably going to have some of that. And I mean, some of these kids have, you know, family members like D'Angelo did that, you know, have been affected by the virus and stuff like that. I mean, I think every kid gets touched by it differently. And so I think you've seen some kids waffle back and forth. Tennessee's had some that, have been in and out and, you know, and, and all that, you know, I think, you know, in talking to some people over on campus, you know, the fear is, is what happens across college football, not just to Tennessee, but across college football, when you get three weeks in and you're not playing, you know, it, you mean, you you mean not the team's not playing. You mean as an individual, you're not an playing, individual. Right? Yeah. Like, sorry. You know, Wonder, like want to clarify that one. Like JJ Peterson struggled to get on the field. If JJ Peterson gets three games in, he ain't really playing anymore. Who's to say, you know, a kid in that same situation, you know, doesn't opt out and go COVID, you know, <laughs> and like, you know, it, I, I just think every, 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 every situation, every school is going to deal with this. I mean, what would be the advantage of that though, since the eligibility clock is on pause? There, there really is no, there other, really is no other than you don't have to practice. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you know, you're going to transfer. You know, I could see that, but I mean, I could see the LSU, if you're a for sure, you know, NFL draft pick. That, or you're you know, in that situation. If, you, if, you're, if you're a for sure, you know, personal I can, draft pick. I mean, pick, I can get that. I totally and your get team it. loses a game or two early and you know you're not going to really be playing for anything. 
I can totally get that. And I, I really wouldn't, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump up on a soapbox and say you're wrong. I mean, cause this is a weird year. I mean, are we even going to have a playoff? Who knows? But if I'm, if I'm a, if I know I'm a second or third draft pick round draft pick at best, at worst, I mean, I'm, I'm probably having a hard time justifying playing this year. Even in the fall, a fall season. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, you get three conferences playing. You're playing, you know, ten games in conference. I mean, is that going to be? Is I mean, that's going to be a, a championship with an asterisk on it if you're talking about the national level. Yeah, everything's got an asterisk beside it this year. That, that's I, I sure. mean, like the whole year is bizarre. I mean, let's face it, Trey Smith, you know, one of the you know going to go down as one of the you know top balls in, in the last fifty years easily, and he he's going to play in front of a, a you know skeleton crowd all year you know i mean it's going to be a you know it, the, his whole senior year send-off is going to be you know very small compared to what it would have been we you know somebody asked about the monday night chat there's a possibility Cade mays get, you know doesn't win the appeal doesn't ever play for tennessee but yet gets drafted of all <laughs> go into the draft and does ball and never plays it down i mean if that doesn't sum up potentially what you know the whole thing around Cade, I don't know what does. I mean, like, it, it, it's just – it's a bizarre year with all kinds of different wrinkles and twists and turns. Yeah, that, that would be the most Tennessee thing ever, for sure, if, if that happened there. I, I, I'm not necessarily surprised by it. I thought there would be more two weeks ago when, when camp yes. got started than, I, than, than it kind of continuing as we roll into September. I, I kind of thought if, you know, you get into September, guys are going to play. You know, I always wonder, though, Hubbard, if it's not that they're, they're seeing how it's going to be, and they're like, man, this is so restrictive. Hmm? You know, I've got to do – this. I've is, been tested three times this week. We don't know when we're practicing. I know, can't people go out. Are, i got coaches on my butt about, you know, where I can go tonight when football's over, who I can hang out with. I, and this isn't what I signed up for. And I'm going to get drafted in April. So, yeah, that's a good point. And, and maybe that's the case now that students are back on campuses around the country. It, it is different in terms of kind of the messaging you're probably hearing from coaches compared to what you were hearing uh, back in, in June and July. I want to circle back to recruiting on a big picture deal that I had written down that to ask both of you guys about. Uh, Austin, I'll start with you on this one. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, guys can't take visits and that type of thing. How bad, how bad are guys going to be hurt? Um, because they, they, they may be in a state where, they don't get to play this fall. Is, oh, is that, is think, that really going to start to come to roost? Because, I mean, the whole narrative about recruiting has been, well, they can't take visits, they can't take visits. Well, now reality is setting in in some states. You can't show yourself. How big of a deal is that going to end up ultimately being? And numbers crunches particularly. I, I think, you know, back in the spring, we talked about all the people that were kind of reserving their spot because you didn't know what the future held. And – I think those people are smart. You know, looking they, they, pretty they, smart now. They're looking pretty smart now, especially if you're one of those kids that played in, you know, that you lived in North Carolina or Virginia or one of those other states that aren't playing this fall. Um, I mean, it, it's hard not to think that it doesn't hurt guys uh, that don't have senior years. You know, I mean, I, to put it this way, the, there's a Lusk kid at uh, – and, of course, we can keep it in the state of Tennessee because Metro's not playing or – this point they're looking like they're not going to play but there's the less kid i can't think of his first names starts with a q um at uh, cane ridge and tennessee offered a couple years ago kentucky offered arkansas offered he blew his acl as a junior so he didn't really play as a junior year 
now Metro is not going to play as of now uh, for 2020. I mean, this kid, I mean, what, he's the perfect example of a kid that just falls through the cracks. Yeah, because he needed you know, tape. He, he needed, needed a, tape. He needed an email. Because you know, I mean, those offers he got as a sophomore really ain't going to be worth anything now. But, I mean, like, again, like there, there, are, there are instances like that across the country of kids that needed it. There are kids in this next class that, you know, in the 2022 class that, you know, not having a, a, a you know, junior year you know, is, is a detriment to them, plus not having had camps this past off season. So, um, yeah, I think that it's a big deal, uh, a huge deal across, but I think the state of North Carolina specifically. Yeah, I just, you know, I look at that, and I was thinking about it some of the last couple of days. And, you know, if you're sitting there, if you're a coach, and you've got, you know, I like this kid, but I haven't been able to see him in a year, you know, play, and then there's another kid that's kind of maybe popped up a little bit. Yeah, we really like him. You know, to, yeah, to I, think me, Col- I think Colby Smith need needed that year. I think he needed another year on film. I really do. Well, you know, he's a guy that we all mentioned when he committed that had he been at camps, he'd have got had a bunch more offers, you know, and he didn't get to go to those camps to show himself there. And now he doesn't get him a chance to show himself um this, you know, this fall. I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that would you know, I, I think that probably did hurt him. Um and, and I think it, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see you know, how everything, you know, plays out with all of that moving forward. But, yeah, I think there's some guys like that, even in Tennessee's class, that probably would would benefit greatly by having a senior year that's probably not going to get to have – you know, that's not going to get to have a senior year uh, through various, you know, states that they're playing in. So, I I think head coaches and college coaches have a real challenge there to how do you manage your evaluations and and what – you can't evaluate. So what do you, you know, how do you go about finding things out about those kids and continue that process? All right. Um, let me jump back into college football here and, and get back out of the recruiting stuff real quick. Um, we've seen this this week. I don't think any of us believe that the big 10 is going to play football in November, you know? Um, but if you are the big 10, what are you doing right now, Rob? What do you do? I mean, I mean look, I- look, it's no guarantee the SEC is going to play. Now we're, I think we're all of the belief that they're going to get to week one and they're going to play a football game. Will it last? All those things, who knows? But I think, I think all of us believe they're going to find some way to get to week one worth of games. And we're going to see Power Five Conference play football in the next couple of weeks. So if you're the, you're the Big Ten, you got people out there writing about, you know, they're going to try to play in th- around Thanksgiving and all this other stuff. And then you see the report out that the uh, – uh, the court ruling, you know, said that it was a 10-3 vote um, on not to play by the presidents. I mean, what, what, what in the world? I mean, they're they're like they're like out in the Bermuda Triangle right now. I mean, my, like. my feeling. I mean, the 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 commissioner of the Big Ten. I think he got absolved of you know a lot of flack today when that became public that they voted 11 to three against. I mean, what's he supposed to do at at that point in time? I mean, I just – I hire a big big ticket New York City PR firm and write them a check. That's what I do if I'm the big ticket. Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't think there is any – I don't think there's a right answer. I mean, I don't think there's a way you come out of this and – If the if the, if the other three power fives play. And, and don't have a disaster. Yeah, you're, you're going to have a big old pile of ugliness on, on your hands. I mean, I just don't think – how do you justify taking away – I mean, you're going you're gonna to start your season right before finals start but yet you want to hang your hat on how important academics are to you compared to all these other, you know, cutthroat conferences. I mean, that, that doesn't hold water right there. 
I know. I, I think it's a. I think it's going to be a fascinating um, sidebar story to this fall. I mean, I, the focus is going to be: Do they get on? The, does everybody get on the field? And I mean, look, we got Notre Dame out there, which I thought they might be a team that, if you looked at one school that might get cold feet, it might be them. But they've already, you know, they're announcing their ticket plans. They don't seem to have any cold feet at this point in time. Um, it, it, does it not certainly feel like with each passing day? As my kids go roll into week three as a kindergartner and second grader, and and high school football is now entering week three in this state, and college football you know kicks and, off. And I've got a kid living at a dorm on campus at UT going into his it, third week. It, it certainly feels like every day we just fall into more normalcy and we fall into more to okay, there's going to be bumps in the road, but like that we're not no one. It does not feel like anybody right now to this point is ready to knee jerk it, whether it's the the school systems or colleges. It just feels like the ones that are playing are going to play and the ones that are not obviously aren't. Yeah, I mean – Alabama, I, come up. What do you do at Alabama? 600-plus cases? Well, and I think I think there's some issues. Herd immunity, Rob. Herd I, immunity. I think there's some issues at Auburn as well, too. In South which Carolina. Is, which is going to – again, I mean – for, yes, Austin, I agree with you that, that that's what it feels like. But can that can can that continue for four more weeks to get to kickoff? Oh. I think is the question. Well, the funny thing is, is like again, you're gonna the the, the other two conferences start in two weeks, so like it's they're gonna get this. You're gonna know you're quickly. Gonna get some data. Yeah, you're gonna know quickly. I mean, you know, I didn't see Pat Forty retweeting uh, anyone you know, clamoring for that the Arkansas State uh, results had come back with zero positives after they played, uh, you know. Oh, Central Arkansas? Yeah, Central Arkansas. Yeah, sorry. Scotty Pippen's alum. And, and um, UT on, with 174 positives today on campus. Yeah. On a campus with tens of thousands of kids. Tweet, tweet that out. Pat Forty will retweet you. Yeah, it's, it's just – No, I, mean, I, think, I think that's low is what I'm saying. I mean, when you look at Alabama with six-plus – yeah, I just think that over the course of the next – again, I'm with you, Austin. I think everybody is on, and it's it's go, and they're going to do – in the in the three power five slated to play, they're going to play. Um, but the question is how big are the bumps going to be in the road over the course of the next three weeks, yeah, starting I mean, with what happens in the ACC when they go to play. You're totally going to have them, just like we're having them at the high school level. You see Kingston go out for a week and Carnes go out for a week. Bearden goes out for two weeks but everybody else continues to meander through and then inevitably somebody else will get hit and, you know, those other teams will come back. I mean, there's going to be bumps in the road. Um, anybody that doesn't think there are going to be, I think is kidding herself, but at the same time, and, you know, I applaud, look at major league baseball. I mean, I looked up to, I, and I, you know, I don't, I'm a, I'm, I'm not an avid watcher, I, but I did click on the standings today to see where the Braves are. Cause you know, I did like them growing up and I, I look up and I see that, you know, they're, <laughs> they're playing a 60 game schedule I mean, they're halfway through or a little more than halfway through. Um, you know, even the Marlins have, you know, played enough double headers to catch up, you know, in, in you know, close proximity to the other teams as far as total number of games played. So, you know, credit to Major League Baseball for pushing through, even though they had a couple of bumps in the road. I think you'll see that across college football as well. Well, and you're going to get some NFL data as well before, well before the SEC starts playing. Yeah, you are. I mean, and again, and I think – those owners – are going to play football and cash, yeah, cash and advertising I, checks. And I and I give I think I give Greg Sankey credit. I think picking a late September start date to where you're not the first one probably works in your favor because you do get to see how everybody else does it, 
what works, what doesn't work. And then you get to see the data to determine whether you can continue on and move forward or you can't continue on and move forward. And speaking of continuing on and moving forward, Tennessee does that with their season tickets. We'll see how that goes over the course of the next few weeks. I think there's a lot of ADs uh, around the country probably surprised at some of the people that are opting out of season tickets in terms of the number of percentages out there. Um, you know, everybody was worried about making somebody mad. I think there's going to be a lot of places that maybe all the tickets aren't gobbled up around the country, including some NFL franchises as well. So I think that's a storyline that's going to emerge a little bit over the course of the next couple of weeks. And we'll see. No, how don't you think it's not as much, not, don't you think it's not as much a, a fear of, of the virus as much as it is just, you know, not getting to, you know, handpick what games you go to and kind of having stuff select. I don't, I don't want to be sitting. I don't want it to feel like it's the orange and white game when Tennessee's playing Alabama. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, and I, I think you're right. And I think a lot of it is, Hey, do I want to donate all that money this year to go over there and not have any kind of real game day experience? There's not going to be a band, you know, they're going to no vol walk, no, vol walk, no, vol walk, no run crowd. through the key. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's it's, it's going to feel like a road game. We talked about this on the locker room Sunday night. You know, they're going to roll the buses right up there, and they're going to let they're going to walk right off and down the ramp they go, much like they do when they roll into Ben Hill Griffin. They they mark it out there on the street. They but, roll down the least, ramp. But if, but if you're a fan, you still get that experience at Ben Hill Griffin of all the electricity and you know in the pregame, and that's just yes. I mean that's just going to be gone, even if you're a road fan. Sorry, Rob. It, it's like going on a road trip to Vanderbilt. <laughs> there you go. Actually, it's even worse because there's a lot of orange there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that's – I think that's why some people – I'm with you guys. I, I don't think it's as much about, you know, um, concerns from their health. There's some of that out there. But I think a lot of it is, is, it, is, it, is the money worth the experience? And I think that's why Tennessee was smart to try to create a tailgating plan of some variety so you can have some type of game day experience out there because if you're an athletics director and you know how important that money is you know you're going to lose a bunch of money this year you're trying to make sure nobody gets comfortable with not coming to games so that you don't make some of that money back the following year if it goes back to full capacity and we go back to normal and all those things so i think tennessee's smart to try to give some type of game day atmosphere at least through the tailgating part if they can uh, because you don't want you don't want people to feel like, hey, I'm just going to drive over there, park. They're going to tell me what time I can walk into the stadium, what gate, what time I have to leave, and that's that's where I get my temperature taken. It's yeah. it's 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 honestly, and, I mean, which in that case would be almost like playing Augusta National. You know your tee time. You can't walk in there before an hour. Hover, before hover. You know it, it, he managed it, to work it in. Wait a minute here. Austin, did you just imply that you were like going to opt out if if you got to play Augusta because you don't get the you don't get the experience of the roar of Amen Corner? As I, mean, a participant? I mean, been been there, done that, Hubbard. Been there, done that. Check the box. So he's opting no. What out. I'm saying is, is like going the, back. Definitely got the T-shirt. When I got drawn to play it in 2014. Oh yes, we know. Um, we've seen I the pictures too. I could not. My team. I've seen was the video. There. My team, I know, my tea time was noon. I could not show up to the gate to go down Magnolia Lane until 11 a.m. Like, I couldn't roll in there and hang out and hit balls and chip and putt and hang out some more <laughs> for hours on end. I couldn't go in until 11 a.m. 
So much like what you're saying is, is nobody wants the situation for the atmosphere to be like that, to where you, you know, you, you drive in, you park, you sit in your car for 20 minutes, then you're allowed to get out and walk straight into the stadium where you clap four times, watch a football game, and then immediately. You have to, you have to tune to the Vol Network, and like every 10 minutes, Bob Kessling breaks in to say, Group A, you may now enter the stadium. <laughs> Not taking boarding passes for Group A. All right. All right. Hey, let me tell you. Let me tell you about our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Remember, uh, they've got a couple of special deals going for you right now. It's a great opportunity if you need uh, any repair. Uh, they're committed to doing the repair the right way the first time. All their repairs come with a one-year guarantee, and of course, they're offering that $79.99 uh, tune-up. And uh, if your air conditioning needs any kind of maintenance after that tune-up, they'll give you a discount on any repair work that needs to take place there. So for more information about Blue Water Climate Control, uh, the tune-up uh, plan that they have for you, uh, as well as their financing, major repair, minor repair, if you have any of your uh, air conditioning needs this summer, they're who you need to check out. That's Blue Water Climate Control. Give them a call at 865-299-2290 to book an appointment or to find out more, check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. For and, Austin and Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. See you, AP. We're out.